Well, it's a big day in sports today, isn't it? What's going on today? The who? Lakers. That's basketball, right? Lakers are playing. What else? Anything else going on today? What else going on? Dodger game. That's baseball, right, John? Dodgers playing. You're breaking my heart here. Come on. Oh, yeah, there's a bike race. The Tour of Italy begins today. Come on. This is the second biggest bike race in the world. Uh, second only to the Tour de France. The Giro d'Italia began yesterday and will go on for three weeks. I know you're going to all turn to Versus Channel at 1 o'clock and watch parts of it, right? Uh, you can go back and forth from the Lakers. To, anyhow, I'm sorry. How are you doing, moms? I know you're interested in bike racing and Dodgers and basketball, right? Sorry. Uh, somebody was interviewing some eight-year-olds, the four- to eight-year-old children, and they asked them the question, what does love mean? And here are some of the answers uh, for the children, from the children four to eight. Nicole, age seven, said, or Noel, rather, excuse me, Noel. Noel said, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not too bright. Um, love is like an old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. Tommy, age six. That's some truth in that, huh? Um, Rebecca, age eight, said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails. So my grandpa does it for her all the time, even though he's got arthritis in his hands, too. That's love. And uh, one more. Little boy said, there are two kinds of love, our love and God's love, but God love, God makes both kinds of love. And this morning I want to talk to you about love. In fact, I'm beginning a, a series of four messages I'm calling Spring into Love. And today we're going to talk about God's love for us. Next week, I really hope you'll be back because Joyce and I are going to preach together. We're going to talk about the subject of love and marriage. We've been at it a while. And uh, we'll tell you what we know, and we'll tell you a lot that we don't know. But that's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you'll be here next Sunday for that. I'm looking forward to it myself. And then the following two Sundays, we're going to talk about, well, what is love? What's the scriptural definition of love? And we're going to look at what love is not and what love is. So I'm kind of excited about these next four weeks and hope you'll be able to join us. And if you can't, you can always go on the Internet and listen to the sermons uh, at fbcpasadena.com. Um, it is said that love is what makes the world go round. And as you think about love this morning, you do have an outline in your bulletin. I hope you'll turn to that and follow it along if you, if you could. As we think about love, uh, one way to talk about love would be to talk about testosterone, estrogen, um, we could talk about oxytocin, I think I'm saying that right, which is a chemical that's shown to be stimulated when a mother and her newborn infant are together. That helps the mother and infant bond together, oxytocin. We could talk about the biological dimensions or components of love, and that would be a profitable discussion. We could also talk about the sociological dimensions of love. For most of us, I hope for all of us, but perhaps not, for most of us, if I asked you, where does love begin, you might say, well, it, I think it began with my mom. You know, maybe you most learned about love from your mom. 
or from your mom and dad, from our parents. And certainly we learn to love from our family of origin. Perhaps a grandmother, a grandfather, aunts and uncles. We learn love from there as well. And so we could talk about sociological dimensions. We could talk about the psychology of love, and that would be profitable. But we're in church today, right? So we really want to talk about what the Bible has to say about God's love. And this morning, I would like to uh, encourage you in the fact that God loves you. That God loves you. Now, would you do something for me? I'd like you to take your finger and put it on your head. Yeah, you tap your head a while. You know God loves you. You've heard that all your life, probably, unless you've never been in church. And so you probably have some sort of knowledge of what I said. God loves you. But this morning, I'm, I'm interested in the connection between your head and your heart. Do you actually sense, do you actually feel like God loves you? And that's what I would really like for today. For you to be able to walk out of here with a new sense of appreciation, of feeling God really does love me. And so this morning we're going to talk uh, a bit about that. Now, there are lots of ways to answer this question, but if you could only have two words to describe God, what two words might you choose? Let's start over here on my left. What two words would you choose? I'm going to give them some time to think about it. If you could use two words to describe God, what? Forgiving. Forgiving, that's one. Abiding. Abiding. Somebody said love, that's a good idea. What else? Two words to describe God. You... What? Superior, okay. Holy. Righteous. Caleb, thankful, okay. Did you guys come up with a word over here? We're going to preach to this section. They don't really know anything about God today. It's going to be a good service. We're going to have about 50 people saved and uh, caring, okay? Um, I've chosen, obviously, I've been thinking about this. I think if you could only have two words to describe God, I would choose two four-letter words. And I really don't think you can improve on this. One word would be holy. The other word would be love. Think about it. I think that probably captures the God of this book. That the God we believe in is holy. He is pure. He is righteous altogether. He is full of justice. God is completely holy. The other dimension to God, the God of the Bible, is that God is love. And every act of God is done out of the character of God's love. Now, I was reading... um, about Meryl Streep. You know Meryl Streep. She's an Academy Award winner, two Academy Awards, been uh, nominated 14 times. She was in movies like The Bridges of Madison County, Silkwood, Out of Africa, Ironweed, The Deer Hunter, on and on the list goes. Gene Hackman, also a famous actor, was talking to Meryl Streep about all her accomplishments and how wonderful it must feel to be, some some would say, she is the, among living film actresses, she's the greatest. So this woman of tremendous accomplishment, and Gene Hackman was complimenting her and saying, how does it feel? And here's what she said, quote, I've never been able to feel my life and all those good things. Wow, that's sad. That's sad. I can't feel my success. Now, what I am afraid of is that some of us sitting here today can't feel God's love. You you know about it, but you don't really feel it. And that's what I hope for you today, that you will feel God's love. So 
If we could choose two words, the two words I'd suggest is God is holy and God is love. Now, the word God is love, of course, comes out of 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and uh, verse 16. It says to us that actually God is love. And this morning, I thought about going through the words in the Bible for love. There are, oh, at least a half a dozen Hebrew words for love. There are four or five Greek words we could use for love. And so we could have a long sermon today just talking about doing an etymology and a Bible study on the words of love used in the Bible. But that would feed our head. But I'm not sure it would feed our heart. And so this morning, I want to come at it a little differently. I want to just lift up to you some stories in the Bible that are about God's love for God's people. And let's begin by, of course, talking about God is like a mother. God is like a mother. And if you're following along here, God's love is more certain than a mother's love. Look at this great passage with me from Isaiah chapter 49. The prophet is talking to Israel, and Israel has wandered away from God's. God's people have been rebellious. They've disobeyed God, and, and they know they've disobeyed God. They've been very disobedient. But the, song, the uh, prophet says, Shout for joy, O heavens! Rejoice, O earth! Burst into song, O mountains! For the Lord comforts His people and, and will have compassion on His afflicted ones. But Zion said, this is God's people speaking, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. Now, maybe the high price of gas, maybe unemployment, maybe sickness. There could be any number of things that have caused you to think, God's forgotten me. God doesn't even know my number. God doesn't know I'm here anymore. And it is true that even believers in Jesus Christ, people who follow God, sometimes feel abandoned by God. And that might be your case today. That was Israel's case. Zion said, the Lord has forgotten me. The Lord has forsaken me. Now, here's the, here's the word of the Lord. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Wow. That's great scripture, great poetry. Just last month in uh, April, in Vermont, Nicole Waring walked into the Woodsboro Creek with her six-year-old and her two-year-old and took the lives of them and herself. Just last month. It wasn't that long ago, in fact, that uh, in 2005, LaShawn T. Harris dropped her three sons to their death in the San Francisco Bay. You may recall the story. Before that, we could go to Texas in 2001 when Andrea Yates, in her bathtub, drowned all five of her children. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You see, I would say, can a mother forget the child at her breast? And I'd say, no, that could never happen. And yet, somehow, in the madness of our minds and in the tragedy and brokenness of our world, it does happen. Mothers abandon their children. And God's Word said, even though a mother may forget you, uh, God will not forget you. How is that so? God says, well, every time I raise my hands out like this, I see you tattooed, engraved on the palms of my hands. Look at the verse. God says, you are engraved or tattooed on the palms of God's hands. The word literally means to cut into. 
God not only knows you and loves you, he's, he's somehow tattooed you onto his hands. He, can, he cannot forget you. It was in Christmas of 06 that um, I shared the story with you, the story you had heard on the news of a baby just a few miles from here in Alhambra, left in two Albertsons bags by a railroad track. The railroad workers found her, a month old, umbilical cord still attached. They named her Teresa Rose. The mother had just abandoned her. Can a mother forget her children? Yes, actually, we can sink to that depth. But can God forget you? No, you are tattooed on the palms of God's hands. He will never forget you. He will never forsake you. There was a a mom who went through a difficult divorce. She was raising a teenage daughter, and the daughter's life began to spin out of control. And it culminated when mom got a call, a single mom got a call from the police station. Her daughter had been picked up for drunk driving. Would you come and get your daughter? So she did. They drove home in silence. There was no talking the rest of that night. They got up in silence the next morning. Finally, the mom came to the daughter, and she had a little gift wrap box. And she handed it to her daughter, and she said, Would you open this? And so the daughter opened it, and inside was a rock. And the teenager said, a rock, what's this? What's this about? And so the mom handed her a card and said, please read the card. The daughter opened the card, and she began to read it. And as she read, tears fell down her face, and she dropped the card to the floor, and she went and wrapped her arms around her mom. And on the floor was a card that read these words, this rock is 200 years old. It will be at least that long before I ever give up on you. That's a mother's love. I'm not going to quit on you. Most mothers love unconditionally, and they would never quit on us. God's love is even greater than that. God loves you unconditionally. God's love is like a mother's love that reaches out to you and loves you and invites you into God. Now, there's another way to look at God's love, and uh, we've talked about moms. Let's talk about marriage. God's love is more faithful than a spouse. Now, when we get married, uh, we may have stars in our eyes, but somewhere down the road, we realize the person we married is human. And in some ways, they're not going to measure up. They're going to be unfaithful to this vision or image we have of our spouse. I'd ask you to raise your hand if you agree with me, but you might get in trouble later, so uh, we won't do that. You can just wiggle your toes. But do you, do you know there's a story in the Bible about a preacher, a prophet actually, who got married and uh, his wife ran out on him and ben began to ran around, run around on, on the town and had all kinds of affairs. And God said to this preacher or prophet, I want you to go get your wife and bring her home, clean her up and love her. And he did. And they had children and she'd run off again and he'd go get her and bring her back. Amazing story. It breaks your heart to read the book of Hosea. But God used the, this prophet as, a, as an example. God says, I've got children. I'm, it's like I'm married, and, and my spouse runs around on me. And I go out and I get her or him and bring them back into the fold because I love them. Now, some of you in this room have experienced the pain of divorce. You know how that, that breaks you and hurts. And yet the reality is that every one of us in this room has been divorced from God. We've been unfaithful to God. Is that not true? We've broken our vows to the Lord. And yet, like Hosea going after his wild wife, God comes after us and reaches out to us in love and says, Come home back. 
We're still married. Come on back. You can have a better life than this. And God lovingly brings us back. Listen to what Hosea says. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me again, Go love a woman who has a lover and is an adulteress, just as, now this is the important part, just as the Lord loves the people of Israel, though they may turn to other gods and eat raisin cakes. <laughs> they running around. And God reaches out because God is a God of love. So God's love, it's a delight to share with you. God's love is more faithful to you than that of even a great spouse. And there's another way to look at this. God loves foreigners and enemies. God loves foreigners, even enemies. There's another story in the Bible by a, about a man named Jonah. You may know the story. God taps on Jonah's shoulder and says, Jonah, I want you to go to the town of Nineveh. And I know it's the enemy, but I want you to preach the good news to there because I love these folks and I would like them to turn from their ways and come home to know me. Now, it's much like if God tapped you on the shoulder and said, I want you to go preach to the Taliban or Al-Qaeda, what would you say? I don't think so. They deserve to go to hell because they blow people up, they commit terror, they blow themselves up, and you might not have a heart for that, right? Well, Jonah didn't have a heart to go to Nineveh, and so he went the opposite direction. Big storm came up on the ship. They were about to drown. And Jonah said, it's my fault. You know the story. He gets thrown overboard. He's blurring through the water there about 50 feet deep. And all of a sudden, the fish comes along, swallows him up, gets sick of Jonah, as God was sick of Jonah, and goes to the shore and throws him up on the shore. And there's Jonah with the seaweed and the puke all over him and pulling it off and saying, God, I guess I better go to Nineveh. So he heads to Nineveh, he preaches, everybody loves him, they love the message, they begin to love God, and Jonah's happy, right? Not so much. And here's what he says, and I, I read it again because I want you to pick up on what it says to us about God. God loves foreigners, even enemies. So Jonah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? <laughs> That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a, what kind of God? Gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, ready to relent from punishing. God is slow to anger. He's gracious. God loves you. And it's a joy to tell you that this morning. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you are, you may have considered yourself an enemy of God. God loves you. God loves you. God would do anything for you. In fact, God has done everything for you. I want to go through some more scriptures, just without comment on them so much. Uh, these are amazing verses from the scripture that speak to us about the love of God. For example, this one. It says, you see, just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die just for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates. God shows his love through the death of Jesus. There are some great 316 verses. Uh, you may know these by heart. But uh, let's read them off the screen, if you would. The first 3.16, John 3.16 speaks of God's love. Would you read this with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, 
so that whoever one who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And then 1 John 3.16 says something similar. Let's read this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Where does love come from? Well, the Bible says the love comes from God. You are created in God's image. Way back in Genesis chapter 1, we read that. You are made in God's image. There's something godly. There's something like God about you. What is that? Well, I think part of the answer is it's, it's love. You can love just like God can love. That quality of love that defines God is in you. And our source of love is God. The birthplace of love is God. You cannot exhaust God's love. In 1 John 4, 9 and 10, it says, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. That song line, uh, I wish I had it on the screen, I can't put it up for you, but the song that was written in Pasadena, the last verse doesn't come from Pasadena, it comes from some Jewish Asan asylum where some crazy person penned these words hundreds of years ago. Listen as I read them again. Could we with ink the ocean fill? This is poetry. Just pretend the ocean is full of ink. And were the skies of parchment made, pretend that you can write across the sky. And were every stalk on earth a quill, every branch or twig you find on the ground, let's just pretend every feather out of a bird, you can write with that. And every person a scribe by trade, So every one of us is a scribe, a writer. It says, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. The love of God, oh, how rich, how pure, how marvelous the sum. It shall forevermore endure. The saints and angels song. God loves you, my friend. Do you understand that? Do you feel it in your heart? God loves you personally. And he's expressed that through Jesus. There's a story that I read about. uh, It comes out of France. And three college students were walking in the countryside talking about lofty things, philosophy. They got around to Karl Marx and they decided they agreed with Karl Marx. Religion was just an opiate for the people. Religion just was a crutch to lean on. Religion was for the weak. Religion was just a way to keep the masses down. And they talked about these great things as they walked in the countryside of France. And then they came by a little church there. And so one of the boys dared another boy. He said, go in there and tell the priest what we were talking about. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I dare you. So one of the boys took up the dare, went inside to this little chapel, found the priest, and expressed all their philosophical views to him. And the priest listened patiently. Then the boy started to leave, and as the... He walked out of the chapel. The priest walked with him. And just before he stepped back out into the sunlight, the priest said, "Uh, So why did you come and tell me these things? The boy kind of hung his head, and the priest pressed him. And he said, Well, actually, my friends dared me to come in and tell you these. And he said, Oh, you did it on a dare. He said, Yes. And he said, Well, I have a dare. Really? Well, the boy could hardly refuse a dare at this time from the priest. And so the priest said, Yeah, here's my dare. I want you to go back into the chapel and look up at the crucifix. And I want you to just gaze on that crucifix for a few moments. Just look at it. And then I want you to say this. 
Jesus Christ died for me, and I don't give a damn. So the boy did. He walked in there, and he looked at it a while and muttered the words and walked back out. And as he was about to leave, the priest said, Sir, um, this is the last time I'll ask, but I'd like you to go back in and and study the, the face of Jesus on the cross and say those words that I won't ask again. The boy said, Sure, I'll do it. So he walked in, and he looked up at that tortured body of Jesus hanging on the cross, the crown of thorns, the agony. And he tried to speak the words, and they stuttered, and they wouldn't come out. And he tried again, and they wouldn't come out. Finally, he hung his head, and he walked back to the priest and said, Father, I've sinned. And as this story was being told in France to a Parisian congregation, a sophisticated bunch, the priest telling the story leaned out over the pulpit and said, I know the story's true because I am that man. I am that man. You see, Jesus Christ died for you. That's the best way, the most perfect way God could express his love through his son who came to earth for us. He simply asks that we receive the gift. Have you received Jesus? In just a moment, we're going to stand up and sing a song. And I'm going to encourage you. It may be that you're here as a guest and you said, I've never really opened my heart to Jesus. I've never really said, yes, I believe. The promise is to all who believe, he gives the right to become children of God. So I'm going to ask you to come forward. Our prayer team will be here, and we can pray with you, and you can invite Christ into your heart. It may be that you say, Steve, I've done that, but I've wandered far from God. I really don't feel God's love. I'm going to invite you to come forward. We're going to have prayer team members here, and they will pray with you. This is a moment for us to open our hearts to the love of the Lord. So will we stand, and let's sing together as we uh, prepare. And I invite you to come, and prayer team members, come on up, Bob and Leno, others. This is for you. This is a moment for you to step out in faith and come forward and to pray and to be prayed for, to open your heart and life to the love of Jesus. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His own Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away. to glory I will not boast in anything no gifts no power no wisdom but I will boast in Jesus Christ
else want to come? Come forward. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. We're going to put a prayer up on the screen that uh, I put into your bulletin that we can pray together. And uh, as soon as they get that back up, let's conclude the service with this prayer that uh, we have. This is a prayer asking God's love to be in us. And if you can pray this prayer honestly, I encourage you to do that. If you really don't mean the words, I would ask you just to listen as we pray with you. But would you pray with me out loud? Heavenly Father, I open my heart to heaven today. Sometimes my heart is hard. I open it to you. Soften it with your love. Sometimes my heart is cold. I open it today. Warm it with your grace. Sometimes my heart is fearful. I open it to you. Strengthen it by your grace. Sometimes my heart is empty. I open it today. Fill it with your love. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Yes, I am your beloved. Yes, I am loved. Amen. Go knowing that God does love you very much. He gave His Son for you. He gives His Spirit to you. Go forth in the powerful love of the living Lord Jesus. Christ is with you. Amen.